your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. And won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, May 5th, 2021. Your boy Q here with you as always. Definitely appreciate all the feedback uh, on the Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line or anyone who hits me up on Twitter at your boy Q254. Got another big day for you, uh, as we always do. We're going to continue with our series called Getting to Know. On Monday, we had Alex Leatherwood, the first round draft pick out of Alabama, the guy that a lot of people still have a lot of emotional ties to and want to continue to hit me up and tell me how crazy I I am for thinking that they drafted him too early and that's okay I'm okay with that I'm okay with you believing whatever you want to believe and again you don't ever have to listen to me I'm saying what my gut feeling is just like you're saying what your gut feeling is I respect that that you feel that way just understand that I'm going to feel the way I feel again I've never said the player was a bad player I think he's a good player and I like Alabama players I think anyone's listened to the show for long enough knows that I really like Alabama players to the point where people used to hit me up and say they don't even pan out in the NFL that often which sometimes they don't you know but either way I like Alabama players. I say it all the time. Roll Tide. That's how I roll. So, I mean, it is what it is. But we talked all things Alex Leatherwood on Monday. Not going to rehash that. I know I'll get some feedback in segment number three, but not going to rehash that. Today, again, we're going to continue on with our series of getting to know and the player. And today's player is Trayvon Merrick, safety out of TCU, the number two overall pick. So we'll do that on the show. But speaking of the show, in segment three, you will get the calls and texts straight off the Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line. You know the number, 707-654-4693. Segment number two, my guy Steven Simcox, who actually is on my radio station, uh, Fox Sports Central Texas, and also the host of Locked On Horn Frogs, joins me to talk all things Trayvon Merrick. As not only is he a, a radio host, not only is he a podcast host, but he's a TCU alum so if anyone knows Trayvon Merrick it's my guy Steven Simcox so he joins me to talk all things Merrick kind of break down what he brings to the table as far as uh, the Raiders go and what they should be expecting this has been fun being able to talk to different guys about different draft picks so you hear that in segment number two here in segment number one give you the news in the notes of the day as I always do so let's go ahead and jump right into it off top as of 4 p.m eastern on Monday the compensatory pick formula had expired so what that means is unrestricted free agents assigned with a new team will no longer count towards the NFL's compensatory pick formula. You're talking about Richard Sherman. You're talking about Justin Houston, Alejandro Villanueva, Russell Okung, Melvin Ingram. How about Casey Hayward, KJ Wright, Jason McCourty, guys like that. If they sign with the team now, if the Raiders were to go and sign one of those guys or a couple of those guys, it will not affect their compensatory picks in 2022. And, you know, I say that and I bring that up first because, again, I'm going back to that report that Bill Williamson had put out on Twitter on Sunday evening saying that Casey Hayward was signing with the Raiders and he had a story behind it and you know he came out again and said that hey that was a mistake it was a glitch and I say that in air quotes because I don't really know what a glitch on Twitter is but apparently it's a, it's something and uh, you know it wasn't supposed to go out and so I'm thinking that maybe it is going to happen sooner rather than later but they had to wait until that compensatory pick formula had expired which happened on Monday at uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern 3 p.m. Central and of course one on the West Coast so I'm gut feeling again I don't know this for a fact just gut feeling 
makes me think that a Casey Hayward signing is probably going to come sooner rather than later. I don't think that they're going to go with Richard Sherman just because he hasn't had the opportunity to stay healthy the last couple years. He just hasn't been that guy. It's been hard to keep him on the field. I think that they'll go with Casey Hayward if they're going to go and sign a a veteran cornerback. But again, that's just my gut feeling. I, I don't know. I haven't heard that from a source. Vinny hasn't told me that. Nobody's told me that. That's just my gut feeling, which again is what I roll with. Now, one nugget I wanted to talk about coming out of the draft, and there was so much to talk about on Monday's show that I didn't get to bring it up, and this is actually something that Josh Dubow from the AP had put out, that for the first time in the Raiders' history, they win an entire draft without picking an offensive skill position player. Not a quarterback, not a running back, not a wide receiver, not a tight end. None of those positions were drafted. Of course, the Raiders' draft was very, very defensive heavy. All they did offensively was grab uh, two offensive linemen, obviously the tackle in the first round and then the center in the last round. Everybody else was on the defensive side of the ball, but I thought that was kind of interesting that the first time in Raiders history that they went in an entire draft without picking an offensive skill position. And of course, one of those skill positions I mentioned off top, quarterback. It's the fourth draft under John Gruden that no quarterback has been drafted. Now, uh, a lot of folks including myself, have said that John Gruden and the Raiders need to go and draft a quarterback and try to develop him under Derek Carr so when the time is right to move on, they can do that and they can have a guy developed already. But clearly, that is not the case because he's had now four drafts, four opportunities and four, well, he has had many opportunities, but in four separate drafts to go ahead and find uh, his guy that he thinks is a is a guy who can replace Derek Carr at some point, and he has not done that. Now, he does have free agent guys. He has Marcus Mariota on the roster, obviously. He he does have his guy Peterman on the roster, and we all know how I feel about Peterman. He just he's a guy, he's not the guy. And so clearly, you know, if, if he was in a rush to move on from Carr, like a lot of people think he is, then he would have already done so. He would already made a move to go and get a guy. And of course, there was the report come out right before the, the draft happened that you know the Raiders did their homework on all the top quarterbacks and that they could potentially move up if one was gonna drop. And you know, maybe, maybe that is the truth, but Either way, uh, all we have to do is look at the draft and look at the results of the drafts that he's been a part of since coming back to the Raiders sideline in 2018, and none of them have involved a quarterback being drafted. So clearly, he's fine in that situation. Now, at some point, does he move on and get a veteran? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, John Gruden is a veteran quarterback guy. That's one another thing I always thought about. Like, since when has he really had a young quarterback that he tried to develop and was excited about? You know he wasn't excited about Chris Sims when he had him. So, I mean, I just, I kind of look at it and think, you know, when he's been successful, he's always had veteran quarterbacks. I mean, he had Rich Gannon. He had Brad Johnson. Uh, of course, he's had, had Derek Carr now. I mean, he's never had, like, young, young dudes that he was successful with. So that was always kind of something that made me scratch my head. But either way you look at it, man, it is what it is. Uh, another draft goes by, uh, another quarterback not taken. So I uh, just thought that that was an interesting nugget to pass along. Also, uh, you know, I, I mentioned on Monday's show about the undrafted free agents, and I know I listed off some of them, and I know I didn't list them all off because it's just they're not all officially like on one list. So as soon as I finish talking about a bunch of undrafted free agents, then a list of like two or three guys that I that I uh, missed come out. You know, I know they had a defensive back from Notre Dame that they that they signed. You know, I believe they had a couple wide receivers that I might have missed. But one guy I didn't miss, and matter of fact, is the guy that I'm most excited about, is uh, West Virginia's defensive tackle Darius Stills. Uh, that's a guy that I was actually surprised that he didn't get selected and uh, the note on him was Stills was the sixth rated defensive tackle in the draft uh, he had 50 pressures 20 quarterback hits and nine and a half sacks in 22 games in 2019 and 20 
at West Virginia. And again, I'm, I'm a guy who covers the Big 12, so I saw a lot of the Steels brothers, uh, but Darius was an absolute stud. And, you know, to take that a step further, a couple weeks ago, I had Keenan Cummings, who uh, covers West Virginia for 247 Sports, and uh, he, he was talking about, well, all things West Virginia, but I asked him about Darius Steels and what he thought that he could actually do on the next level. He's a little undersized, but uh, here was Keenan Cummings' thoughts on Darius Steels. I think he's a good player, guys. I mean, I, I'm one of the people that, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I was one of the people that was kind of screaming from a roof for West Virginia to offer him. Um, it took forever for them to offer him out of high school. I always thought that, you know, he wasn't as physically put together as his brother. Um, obviously, Dante looks like a million bucks, but just plays with such a motor, such an edge, and is so driven. And I think that translates. I hate this comparison, but the one that people say all the time is Aaron Donald. I don't think that's fair to, to Darius at all right. to, to compare someone to someone of his caliber. But I do see what people say when they mean that. You know, he's undersized, but he moves so well, uses his hands. You know, the, the change of scheme that West Virginia had kind of going from that, you know, you plug this gap and the linebackers were tackled to being active up front really released what he could do as a football player. And I think NFL teams are seeing that. So that was just like less than a minute on Darius Steeles and what Keenan thought that he was going to do on the next level and if he was going to be a good player, and he, he really does. Now, again, like he said, you know, comparison or comparing him to Aaron Donald is unfair for anybody. You can't do that. You really can't do that with an undrafted free agent, but just because he's a little undersized is the reason why people will say that, and, and I'll caution. I mean, he went to West Virginia, so he's a Big 12 defender, you know, and, and sometimes those guys don't pan out in the league, but I'll tell you what, if a guy's going to give a lot of effort, it's going to be Darius Steeles. I know that the Raiders didn't go and draft a defensive tackle in the in this draft, so I, I think that maybe there's an opportunity for him to go and and learn and, and sit and kind of you know learn the scheme and, and learn what he's supposed to do. Uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to try to get after it. Uh, it's going to be a hard road for him to make the roster as an undrafted free agent, but I'll tell you what, if there's a guy that could do it, I would probably bet money that Darius Stills can do it. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Coming up in segment number two, my guy Steven Simcox is going to join the show to talk all things Trayvon Merrick, the safety out of TCU, second round draft pick for the Raiders as we continue with our series of get to know the player. And the player this time is Trayvon Merrick. Again, second round pick out of TCU, the safety. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about a couple of great sponsors here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. And one is betonline.ag. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball's in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.ag. Uh, the NFL draft has came and went. Uh, Kentucky Derby came and went. That's the first leg of the Triple Crown. But either way you look at it, uh, lots of sports action. Of course, baseball, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, all that action, betonline.ag has you covered. Uh, make sure you go on over to the website, either on your laptop or mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Get off the sidelines, get into the game. Head over to the website one more time, either using the laptop or the mobile device, sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag as long as you use the promo code Locked On. Again, betonline.ag, promo code Locked On is going to give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. I also wanted to tell you about 1010, which is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. 
Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Segment number two, it's up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now on the phone lines is my guy, my tag team partner, man, Steven Simcox from Fox Sports Central Texas, also the host of Locked On Horn Frogs, proud TCU alum. You can find him on Twitter at Simcox Steven. And I, I think, honestly, Steven, that this is probably the first time I've actually ever interviewed you. Have I ever interviewed you before? <laughs> no, I don't think you have. I mean, we, we talk every day on the show and off the show. But yeah, I believe this is the first time you've ever interviewed me for uh, for anything like this, which is cool. Yeah, no, it is. It's pretty cool, man. You got to mark this down in the book as, as one of those days that you didn't think was ever going to come. We, like you said, talk every day and interview other people, but I don't think we've ever interviewed each other. So that's, that's kind of cool. But look, I want to get you on to get a little bit of insight on the Raiders' second-round draft pick, Trayvon Merrick. Many considered him the best safety in the draft. Uh, I, I know I was in that category. I think you were in that category. How shocked were you to see him drop all the way down to 43? I was surprised. I mean, I know you can never trust mocks completely, but pretty much every mock draft I looked at, or the majority of them had him going middle or late first round. But as the night played out, I mean, once you got to like 24 or 25, I started looking at the rest of the picks and I said, well, you know, unless somebody trades back in the first round, which is possible, I'm not sure he's going to go tonight. And I don't know exactly what the reason for that was, Q. I'm not sure if it was just a disconnect between what, you know, people that were projecting things thought and what teams did. He did mention that he was dealing with the back issue during his pro day right. and his 40-time kind of suffered. So I don't know if teams that didn't get to have him in the building with their medical team sort of were scared of that. But um, it, he ended up with a good landing spot, uh, I think, in, in Las Vegas there at 43. They went up to get him. And, you know, also, Q, it's just it's a weird time for safety in the league. It feels like year after year it, there's just less importance put on them, even though – most teams that are good have good safety. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Most teams, you know, value that safety position, but, uh, you know, they don't always want to give a high pick on them or spend a lot of money on them, but they say, you know, hey, we, we need to address the position, but they still really don't do that. And, and let me ask you this. How have you seen Trayvon kind of uh, develop and grow What uh, under Coach P there at TCU? You know, what has he meant to that TCU program? He's been a great leader for them. I mean, that's one thing that Gary always points to with some of the intangible stuff works really hard, holds guys accountable. But he was actually a corner and wide receiver in high school. So you saw the ball skills right away. I mean, he just has that instinct to go get the football and make plays. Uh, early in his career, though, you'd have a lot of bust because uh, he was aggressive. I mean, he was going after the ball. He was trying to make plays. And on the back end, if you get beat, then that can result in some big pass plays. So I think as the years have gone on, he's honed his technique more. He's learned how to kind of play center field. And if he's not in man coverage all the time, he can track the ball and read the quarterback. Uh, but he can also come down and lock up with a, a guy in the slot or a tight end. His athleticism and his versatility, I think, are, are two big traits. But, yeah, I'd just say becoming a complete player at that position 
that wasn't his natural spot, as I said earlier in high school. And he, he took some of those things, I think, that he learned as a corner and wide receiver at the lower level and, and, and translated that to become a, a playmaker that caused turnovers in, in college. You know, TCU has a lot of guys in the league, and they consistently put guys into the league, and especially on the defensive side of the ball. What is it about Coach Patterson and, and his teaching skills and his coaching skills that develops these players, that takes them from, you know, raw clay in high school and all of a sudden turns them into uh, NFL players on the, on the next level? I think, you know, definitely teams trust him, organizations trust him because of his track record. Uh, the defense just always have a ton of attention to detail. I mean, they, they play that four-two-five scheme, and a lot of that is with offenses running more tempo now. Um, it, it kind of allows guys to learn their position, know it really well, and not have to worry as much about what everybody else is doing. Just take care of your job. Um, he quizzes his guys frequently, uh, you know, on on Friday nights before Saturday game. On okay, if they're in this formation, what are we doing? If you know, if if, if they come out in this, what are we doing? And uh, if guys fail that, like if they can't answer the questions and they don't play. So you have to have um, a level of uh, intelligence. And then I think just a work ethic to study and learn some of the complex things they're trying to do and the different reads and different reactions you have to have to, to get on the field. So I think that's one of the big reasons. And he's also, I mean, they just really do a good job of developing players. You know, most of those guys that he's put in the league, like Jerry Hughes and LJ Collier, um, and the list goes on, they're players that were good athletes in high school, but a lot of them went to smaller schools. They weren't highly recruited, and he got them there and got them to buy in and use athleticism to teach them, you know, the defensive side of the ball and turn them into really good players. Talking right now with my guy Steven Simcox from Fox Sports Central Texas, also host of Locked On Horn Frogs, talking all things TCU and, and more importantly, safety Trayvon Merrick, who is now the Raiders' second-round draft pick, number 43 overall. And, and Steven, I'm expecting him to be a day-one starter. Of course, he's going to have to compete with Jeff Heath, uh, but, you know, you're a Cowboy fan as well. So as far as Jeff Heath being the biggest competition and, and uh, you know, roadblock for, for Trayvon to get into the game, uh, I don't think that's going to take long for him to overcome him. What are your thoughts on that yeah you said Jeff Heath and I started twitching a little bit uh, but you know the guys the guys found a way to stay in the league I'll say that and he's a cool story he made a lot of he makes plays that's the big thing about Jeff he's right. kind of always around the ball um and he's been in, in the NFL for a long time now but I would hope that Trey could get in the training camp and show that he's an upgrade at that position but yeah Jeff Heath is funny he it feels like there's always you know when he was in Dallas whether it was Earl Thomas or Jamal Adams, there was always a rumor of, oh, the Cowboys are going to go get, you know, this safety and finally it'll be an upgrade from Jeff Heath, but they, they would never actually do it. And he would just kind of stay, stay in that position. But maybe there's finally some competition for him now with uh, a young guy coming in that's a premium pick. I would think that would be the case for sure. Well, the good thing, though, I mean, Heath is a pro's pro. I mean, he knows how to, you know what I mean? He knows yeah. how to, to to handle himself. And I think, if anything, he can also kind of help develop Trayvon at the same time. I mean, he's going to try to keep his own job, but I think he's going to try to help mentor him as well. No, I'd agree with that. And, I mean, my like my displeasure with Jeff Heath, it's not really about him. He's taking advantage of the opportunities he's had. It's just he's always sort of been the example of, well, we didn't really want to go swing for the fences here, so we're, we're bringing back Jeff Heath. But right. uh, he's, he's made plays, and he you know started for the Cowboys when there were a bunch of injuries, like a rash of injuries at that position, and he got in the lineup, and he never really got out, and then he parlayed that into another deal with Vegas. So uh, he, he makes things happen for sure. And I, I definitely, yes, he's a pro's pro. He wants to do what's best for the team. So I don't think he'll have any problem 
trying to help Traylon out and, and learn the position and kind of show him the ropes. Now, Stephen, you mentioned uh, Earl Thomas, and, and look, Gus Bradley is a defensive coordinator for the Raiders. He comes from that Seattle Seahawks uh, background, just like Dan Quinn, who's a defensive coordinator in Dallas. The Raiders are looking for their version of Earl Thomas. They have Jonathan Abram, who they believe can be the Cam Chancellor. I say that in air quotes because Cam Chancellor is a hell of a player, so he's got to earn that. But that's kind of what they're going for. You know, he'll be the, the guy in the box. Can Trayvon Merrick be the guy? Can he be the Raiders' Earl Thomas, in, in your opinion? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I believe that one of the reasons this was a good fit or an exciting opportunity for him as you mentioned abram's on the other side he plays a different game he's very physical he's going to hit guys he's going to bring the wood which uh is what cam chancellor was doing you know earl i think that's a pretty good comp um they're both sort of undersized but make up for that with their athleticism and ball skills and instincts um he, he doesn't quite have that that swagger that earl has but um he doesn't necessarily have to have that if he can play at a high level and i, I do think you know, he's going to be someone that can patrol uh, the field and, and kind of stay back and assess things and come up and make plays in the passing game. What would you say his biggest need is? What do you think he needs to work on the most? You know, I, I feel like the biggest thing that's going to give him a trouble, and I, I don't really know how much he can do about it other than buy into to whatever the Raiders kind of think from a strength program perspective, but it's just it's that size. Like, he's a sure tackler, and he didn't have any issues coming up and making plays in the backfield, but – the Big 12, I mean, we know, we cover it, Q. It's, it's a league where there's just not a lot of big physical, um, you know, dudes out in the skill positions. Like, the most right. part, it's kind of shifty guys that are smaller, can make plays in space. Um, so, he, he was sort of set up for that. Now, I, I don't – I have concerns about, you know, at the NFL level, uh, can he come up and uh, make those plays and make sure that somebody doesn't break a screen and, and go for 25, 30 yards and – you know, he doesn't necessarily have to be a dude that's coming on blitzes, but um, if there's like a, a smoke screen or a little bubble screen to wide receiver, you know, can he recognize that? Can he get through a couple other wide out there trying to block him and, and make a tackle? Uh, he's he's kind of a slight dude. I mean, he's a little over 200 pounds and he's close to six feet tall. So he doesn't have a ton of, you know, meat on him, but maybe that's something they can kind of unlock more when he gets in the building and, and gets to work with uh, – the, the folks there that are going through the strength and conditioning program. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. It should be something to, uh, interesting to monitor for sure. My final question for you, uh, one of the biggest things that the Raiders need, especially on defense, is leadership, but then they also need an alpha dog. And, and really, in my feeling, and my, my, my belief is that Trayvon could be both of those. What, what are your thoughts on that? So my favorite Trayvon moment was in his career was last year, TCU was playing Oklahoma State in the uh, regular season finale, and Spencer Sanders uh, he had a little scramble and he gets outside the pocket and he goes towards the sidelines and Merrick and him kind of meet at the sidelines and Spencer lowered his shoulder and sort of gave him, you know, a, a little bit of a, a bump going out of bounds and he gets up in his face and he starts, you know, John with him and you can see Merrick, their, their face masks are kind of together and they're going back and forth talking smack. And uh, it, it was a big point in the game. It's the fourth quarter, Oklahoma State's trailing, but if they score a touchdown there, they win the game. And a couple of plays later in the red zone, Sanders is back and he, he throws the ball and he gets tipped and Merrick makes a one-handed interception in the end zone. And then he, he uh, starts to bring it out and ends up taking a knee. But as he's walking off the field, he's got the ball in his hand and he's pointing it at Mr. Sanders. Nice. And, you know, he's just kind of taunting him for what happened 
uh, a few plays ago, and you could tell that got him fired up. And I, I think that's not something he always showed, but he definitely is a competitor. He wants to win. He gives it his all out there, and he, he wants the other guys on that defense to follow his lead. So um, that was just a cool, like, oh, I didn't really know Trey had that in him. But he, you can tell, even if it's not always front and center, like he's got that fire demeanor of, okay, if you challenge me, if you're going to try to test me, then uh, I'll show you and I'll make sure that I get kind of get the last laugh here. Nice. I like it. I like it. That's that's some dog mentality in him. I, I definitely think that that's going to work well uh, with the Raiders. Hey, man, that's great stuff. That's Steven Simcox, Fox Sports Central Texas, host of Locked On Horn Frogs, proud TCU alum. You can find Steven on Twitter, at Simcox Steven. And, and, and what do you got coming out on the podcast? I know you're feeling a little under the weather, but what you got coming out on the podcast this week? Yeah, so we'll have plenty of coverage of, uh, you know, Garrett Wallow got selected. He's a linebacker for TCU, and then there were a couple of guys that got signed as undrafted free agents. So we'll break that down. Um, TCU baseball is a big series against Texas this weekend that will basically decide the Big 12 title. So, And we have plenty of football news. If any Raiders fans are wondering, like, hey, I wonder what that team in Fort Worth is doing, you can always check Locked on Horn Frogs wherever you get your podcast. There it is. Good stuff, my man. Good stuff. Now go get some rest, and uh, I'll see you at work. All right, sounds good. I'll talk to you at another job. There he goes. That's Steven Simcox right there again, host of Locked On Horn Frogs. He's also my co-host on Fox Sports Central Texas. If you want to check him out on Twitter, you can. At Simcox, Steven, really, really good dude. Definitely appreciate his time. And there you go. Uh, that's the lowdown on Trayvon Merrick, second-round draft pick of the Raiders. Coming up next, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before we get into that, though, I do want to tell you about rockauto.com. They are a family business, been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And they've got everything. Engine control parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet. Yeah, they got that too. It doesn't matter if your car is a classic or a daily driver. They got everything you need, and it's only a few easy clicks away, and the parts are delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com catalog is unique, super easy to navigate. Quickly check all the parts available for your vehicle. You choose the brands, specifications, and most importantly, the prices that you prefer. That's right. The prices at RockAuto.com are always super low, and the same for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Right now, go to RockAuto.com. Check out all the parts available for your car or truck. While you're there, there's a box that said, how'd you hear about us? Right, Locked On Raiders podcast. That's how they know that we sent you. Great selection, super low prices, all the parts your car is ever going to need, all at rockauto.com. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to get into your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693 is the number. First off, we'll start with a text from Raider Black. Said, Q, this is Raider Black. Here we go again with this Rogers nonsense. And the Kool-Aid drinkers think it's a good idea. Ten years ago, maybe, but not now. Gruden has had four drafts and four off-seasons to replace Carr. Guess who's still standing? Mariota had three-quarters of football and lost the game. Carr would have easily won. It's time to let go of the narrative about Carr not being the guy. He is QB1. That's from Raider Black. And, uh, yeah, I don't even talk about the Aaron Rodgers stuff because I don't think that is realistic. Now, look, again, I don't think that that's realistic. So uh, I may come back here two weeks from now or right after June 1st and say, wow, I couldn't believe that that happened or be completely, you know, shell-shocked and, and believe and can't believe that the Raiders 
made a move. But uh, I, I just don't see that happening. I just think that that's a fool's gold. I think it's one of those situations, like uh, I say all the time, that the story is always better when the Raiders' name is involved in it. That's exactly what I think of the Aaron Rodgers situation. That's why I haven't said a word about it, because I really don't believe it. But again, that's just me. So thank you so much for that text. Appreciate you. Next up is a call from Brother Marquise in the 305. He's calling to talk about the NFL draft, and he's including his thoughts on Alex Leatherwood. Here he goes, Brother Marquise in the 305. Raider Nation, Brother Marquise, calling uh, now that the draft is concluded. We all can hopefully get some rest. Um, I know I, for one, am exhausted. But um, anyway, the reason I we're giving you a call is just to give you my opinion on what this draft a little bit and everything. Um, first off, I just want to talk about Alex Leatherwood. I know everyone is still ups- upset about those, you know, a, a, a bad pick or whatever the case may be. And you know what? It is what it is, guys. This is what I'll, this is all I'm going to tell you. The, what is the purpose of the draft? In my mind, the purpose of the draft is to get good players. I never once heard anybody, any evaluator say this guy is not a good football player. So why do we care when we take him? Other people, you know, people saying, oh, you could have traded back and, and could have got him. You know, he would have, you could have traded with Minnesota and you, he would have been there. Really? How do you know that? All I know is that Gruden and Mayock have a lot more information than we got. And what, are you just assuming he's going to be there just because Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah say he's going to be there? Come on, guys. You know, be serious. You know, I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't have been there. I thought he was a high pick, a pick too high for him as well. But I don't have any information, and neither do any of us, to know if he would have been there. These guys are smart. Do you really think that if they knew 100% this guy was going to be there and they could pick up another draft pick that they wouldn't have done it? Come on. So, anyway, um, that being said, um, I, I really like the Trayvon Merrick pick. Um, these other guys, you know, I've you know, I got to tell you, one of the guys I'm excited most about is Coons. I thought watching him on film, I thought he was pretty interesting and pretty exciting. So, I, I'm, I'm excited about the draft. You know, the, obviously the, some of the names of the players are players that we're not familiar with or players that we thought wouldn't get go in the spot that they went. But overall, you know, let's see what happens, guys. I, you know, give these guys a chance. Um, value, values in the eyes of the holder, guys. And if we valued them, I know Tom Cable is very meticulous in the type of offensive lineman he likes. So if Alex Leatherwood is the guy he wanted, Let's give him a chance to see see if, if, if he fits for him. I think Tom Cable's earned that right. Um, Gruden and Mayock, the rest of the picks, I don't know if they've earned that right, but you know what? Let's give let's give the players a chance before we before we crucify them um, in, in, to find out if they're any good or not. All right, guys. Brother Marquis out. Thank you so much for the call, my man. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, the first three rounds, I think, are all picks that are definitely going to help the team immediately. Obviously, Leatherwood is planning to be the right tackle, the starting right tackle. That's a starter. Uh, Trayvon Merrick, he'll probably be the starting free safety. That's a starter. And then Koontz won't be a starter, but he's a situational pass rusher. I like him. And Diablo is going to be a guy that can work himself into a rotation. So I think that those are all quality guys. And now, again, I don't have to go into my conversation about Leatherwood. I mean, we could talk about, is he available? Is not available you know you said you don't have any any uh intel i don't have any intel that's fine i just go with my gut feeling again i I just i feel like i've had to explain this way too many times and i feel like it's never been a problem with me going with my gut feeling and now all of a sudden it's like a big issue but either way it is what it is i've never said i didn't like the player 
Again, the player is fine. I think he's a good player. I think that's part of the conversation that everyone missed from Friday is the repeated times I said, I think Alec Le- Leatherwood is a good player. I just thought he was drafted too high, and that was just me. Not a big deal, but I'm with you. I'm totally moving on from it. It's not a big deal. The situation is cool. I think the team improved over the weekend, which is the most important. Thank you so much for that call. appreciate you. Next up is a text from California Dave. He said, Q, California Dave here. Got a question. How many team captains did we draft this year? It seemed like every other pick was one. Don't know if that's what Mayock and Gruden put a premium on this year or if it was pure coincidence. Much love to Obi Juan. It was good seeing him on our page. Peace out, nation. That's from our guy, California Dave. And, yeah, shout out to Obi-Wan Raider. No doubt about it. That was good to, to hear that he's doing a lot better and uh, apparently made an a appearance on the Facebook page as well. So that's really, really cool. Um, as far as the captains go, yeah, there was a ton of them, right? That was one of the things that was a theme of the Raiders draft was all the captains that they selected. Also, another theme, and I really didn't even talk about it yet, uh, but I might as well now, is the Raiders did not select one guy who opted out in 2020. And I know that Mike Mayock had mentioned that, you know, he didn't hold that against the guys. And I'm not saying that they did hold that against the guys, but they sure didn't select one guy that uh, opted out in 2020. All the guys they selected all played that 2020 season. So uh, captains were definitely something that the Raiders were looking at. Guys that could be leaders, especially on a very young team. And I know these are young players, but guys that know how to handle themselves. And I do think that that's a recurring theme that the Raiders are trying to kind of uh, reinforce. They want that leadership on the field. So thank you so much for that text my man appreciate you next up got a call from jordan in oregon and he too is calling to talk all things nfl draft here he is jordan in oregon hey what's going on q jordan in oregon i want to give you a call and uh just kind of lay out a few notes from the draft i thought in the end the raiders had a, a pretty solid draft we're able to fill some needs i see you know a lot of controversy in regards to the first round pick and to me q I, i've said this before on your podcast but i I could care less about the grades and whatnot this time of year, especially because you, you've brought up a few times, like, if a guy is able to be a plug-in day-one starter, that draft pick to me is a success. So cut out all the other variables, where you picked him, what school he came from, all the accolades. Um, I think that that's the most important to me, and I've been trying to gauge my level of excitement on that. Is a guy a day-one starter? Is he a quality enough player that he can come in day one and start? Because if they can come in day one and start, that's, that means that you can develop them from there to be a, a superstar. And so that's been a way for me to simplify things. And with this draft, uh, Q, you laid out, you would like to see three starters. And I think we may have that. It's, it's a 50-50 on that. But, like, with, with uh, Leatherwood, I've got no problem with that that pick at all. I mean, if we're really going to debate if the Vikings would have traded, you know, the 23rd pick to maybe, let's say, get like a third or fourth round pick, to, to take that risk to not get our guy and to have something happen in between there, people trade up, whatever. We don't know the backstory. We, we can get way into like, oh, we should have gotten another pick about that, you know, with that. But I'm, I'm, I'm beyond that now. I'm looking at Leatherwood. He's a great you know, day one starter, like we talked about. I think you plug him in, he fills an instant need for us, and, and he's a first-round pick. I mean, it, it, a lot of, you know, the draft guys, going back to how I say I shouldn't care about that, but a lot of people say he's a first-round pick. So we have a, a day one starter, first-round pick with Leatherwood. I think the the Morig out of TCU, same thing. I think he, he's looked at in the in the sense of many that he's going to be an instant starter day day one starter so you know there's two for two and then you look at the back end of the draft 
there's a lot of intriguing players. Um, I shot for a few guys to instantly be on special teams as well as, you know, like that Diablo kid could be a, a linebacker or something day one. You never know. You know, we don't know what he's going to flash at camp. He could prove to be way more athletic and just needs to be plugged in. So, overall, Q, I really love our, our draft. I think it went fairly well. We got some instant starters, and I think a lot of people need to, to hold off on the grades and let this thing play out. But I don't feel like uh, it was as bad as many people feel. But, anyway, man, peace out. Have a great week. There he goes, Jordan in Oregon. And, yeah, ultimately, man, it really doesn't matter. I think the biggest key all in all is that the Raiders got the guys they wanted round one, round two. Uh, they got some good guys in round three, guys that they think can contribute to the team. So it really doesn't matter what the order is. Uh, if you had Merrick first, Leatherwood second, Leatherwood first, Merrick's, it doesn't matter. They got both the guys that they wanted. So that's two starters right there. And, and again, three starters is what I was looking for. But I'll take two and some guys that can contribute. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm fine with that. I have no problem whatsoever. Next up is a text from Jess from the Bay. He said, people need to let the Richard Sherman hype train leave the station. He is a terrible scheme fit. Dude has no recovery speed anymore. He's smart enough to be in the right position most of the time, but if he's a step off, he'll get burned. Happened frequently last year in San Francisco and in a cover three scheme on the outside, he'd have to turn and run with guys in one-on-one situations. Sherman needs to play in a Tampa 2 style scheme and play that Rondé Barber role and he would thrive. Plus, he would force Arnett into the slot. And we all know how teaching guys new positions on defense has been working out. That's from Jess from the Bay and I'll say that the injuries are starting to catch up to Richard Sherman. That's why I said earlier in the show, matter of fact, in segment one, I think Casey Hayward is probably uh, the guy that they would rather go get than Richard Sherman at this stage of the game. Now, you know, obviously he knows Gus Bradley's scheme. He was there with them in Seattle, so he knows what he'd have to do, and and they know him. So they'd know if Richard would be a guy, even at this stage of the game, that could fit into what they want to do. But I totally understand what you're saying about having to run, turn his hips and run one-on-one with uh, guys on the outside that are probably a lot faster than him. So I totally get that. Uh, We'll see exactly what they do, but my gut feeling tells me they go with Casey Hayward over Richard Sherman. But again, that's just my gut feeling, so we'll see exactly how that shakes out. Definitely thank you for that text. Uh, I still got a call from Raider Russell from Tampa Bay. I got a text from New York Old School Raider. Uh, I don't have time for that. Also, Eddie in Portland hit me up by way of text. I should be able to get to those texts and calls on tomorrow's show. Also, we'll have round three, and that's getting to know the round three players that the Raiders selected in the draft, Malcolm Kuntz and Divine Diablo. Below, have a couple people on that cover those guys in school so Raider Nation could get to know what to expect from both Kuntz and Diablo. So that should be coming up on tomorrow's show. Going to be a loaded show. Of course, have more news and notes of the day. Maybe there'll be a free agent cornerback signing. Maybe there won't. Either way, we'll be back here on the show to talk about it. So until then, Raider Nation, continue doing what you do. Stay safe. Uh, wash your hands. You know, wear your mask. Do all that good stuff. Like I said, most importantly, man, just stay safe. And as always, just win, baby.